time. All right, let's jump into the message today. It is officially the Christmas season, so you can put up your Christmas trees. You have permission to do that. How many people in this room are like the rednecks and you just left your outdoor Christmas lights up year-round? Anybody? Yeah, a few of us. That's right. Why take them down? There's no reason to do that work twice. If you haven't left them up from the previous year, you can go ahead and put them up uh, and we can just start celebrating Christmas today. I truly do love the Christmas time. I, I love uh, the festivities. I love the tradition of it. I'm kind of an old soul. So I love like the, the traditional Christmas meals. I love Christmas lights. I love all the different traditions that we have. And I love Christmas music. Does anybody love Christmas music? I love Christmas music. I, I would listen to it year-round, but I don't do that. One of the most popular Christmas songs of all time, I also think is one of the most overrated Christmas songs of all time, and that is Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. All right, let's take a vote. How many of you love that song? All right, four of you. How many of you think it's overrated? Yeah, it's overrated. But there's a good point, and it makes a good sermon series title, so I swiped it. And the title of our series that we're in is All I Want for Christmas, right? You know, we start thinking about what we would want for Christmas, and we really stripped away everything. I think that most of us don't want a new toaster or a pair of mittens or more eggnog. I think if you were to ask the average person, what do you really want for Christmas, and they were to strip away the superficial response Responses, I think you would get to answers like this. All I want for Christmas is peace in my family. All I want for Christmas is for my lonely heart to be full. All I want for Christmas is hope that everything is going to be okay. You see, in our commercialized culture today, we get wrapped up so much in the consumer side of Christmas that we forget that there are deficiencies in our life that a new Apple Watch is not going to actually fix. It's not actually going to fulfill. See, we don't have material needs. A lot of us have soul needs, right? We have life needs. We have spiritual needs. And if we wanted and could get anything for Christmas, what we we would want more than anything else is for those soul needs to be met over the physical needs. And so today, the title of my message is All I Want for Christmas is Peace. All I want for Christmas is peace. If you would, please stand with me as we are reading our opening passage today. And if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Luke chapter number 22. Luke chapter number 22. Just to set this up for you a little bit. The baby Jesus is about 40 days old, and he's being dedicated to the Lord in the temple as the command of the Old Testament. And here's what transpired. Luke 22, starting, excuse me, Luke 2, starting verse number 22, reading through 32, it says this. And it says, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem to pro present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought him into the child Jesus, excuse me, brought in the child Jesus to do according to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation 
that you have prepared in the presence of all the people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is speaking to us. And I pray today as we read about this man who found peace in you, Lord, that you would bring peace to every single one of us. Christmas is about peace. And Lord, what a lot of us want and desire more than anything is peace. But God, we know that with Christmas come and came the Prince of Peace. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. How many of you understand Christmas can be stressful? Amen? How many of you get stressed out at Christmas? Raise a hand. Come on. Yeah, Christmas stresses me out. All the activities that everyone has to do that we feel obligated to do can cause a lot of stress, right? We feel like we have to go 5,000 different directions. There's one play we need to see after another party that we have to go to, followed by another serving opportunity that we have. It feels like there's a 100 things to do in the short time between Thanksgiving and Christmas Day. And we start out the Christmas season with a wonderful little event called Black Friday. How many of you went Black Friday shopping this weekend? All right, there was a few of you. The rest of you are intelligent for staying home. You know why you're intelligent? Because there is actually a website called blackfridaydeathcount.com. And this website is dedicated to keeping the casualty toll that occurs on Black Friday. And if you're curious, as of this morning, since the records have been kept for the last 12 years, there have been 12 deaths and 117 injuries due to Black Friday. Ain't that messed up? All over a toaster, right? People getting stabbed in the parking lot, shot in Walmarts. I'm not kidding. It is depressing to read about. And all of this, why? To start out the Christmas season. So no wonder we're stressed out all of the time. Present buying can be stressful. Trying to find the perfect gift for someone on a budget when you don't have any money, it can be very difficult. You know what's really difficult? Being married to a wonderful woman who doesn't want anything in life, right? Then you feel obligated to buy her something, but you ask her, what do you want? She says nothing, but you know that's not an option. You have to find something. And so you scour the internet, you scour Walmart trying to find something. And all of this can cause stress. And then, of course, the big thing that can cause stress at the holidays is family. Amen. How many of you families can cause you some stress? Amen. You guys are real quiet. That's because you're sitting next to your family. That's all right. We do counseling around here if you need help. All right. With family. Here's what we know. Christmas can be marked by stress and anxiety for a lot of us, but the Christmas season is not the only time when a lot of us are experiencing stress and anxiety. Stress and anxiety is not a seasonal issue for most of us in this room. Stress and anxiety is a plague on society that a lot of us live with, not just during the Christmas season, but for the other 11 months out of the year. In our culture today, people are stressed out. One study showed that 73% of people feel stressed on a regular basis, and 48% of us said that our stress is going up and not going down. So to statistically speak, 
speaking, three quarters of us in this room are stressed out and we feel like it's getting worse instead of getting better. Stress has gotten to the point that it's so bad that all we can do is joke about it. My favorite joke on stress is this. A woman went with her husband to see her doctor and after his checkup, the doctor spoke to uh, with his wife alone in his office and he told her, your husband is suffering from a serious and severe stress disorder. The doctor continued, unless you start following this routine immediately to reduce his stress, he won't live much longer. First, each morning, fix him a healthy breakfast. For lunch, make him a nutritious meal, and dinner must be especially nice. Second, be pleasant at all times, and don't burden him with chores, and make sure the children are pleasant around him, and don't tell him about your problems. All this is just going to stress him out more. And most importantly, allow him to go golfing several times a week to take a break from the cares of life. So if you do all these things for the next 10 months... Your husband will recover from his stress disorder and regain his health completely, and he will live a long time. On the way home, the husband asked his wife to tell him what the doctor said to her in private, and the wife responded, your doctor said you're not going to live much longer, (laughs) right? Amen, right? Stress, stress. People are desperate to get stress-free, and maybe that's you in this room, You struggle with stress or anxiety, and it feels like constantly in life you are tired. It feels like you go to bed tired. You wake up tired. You feel like there's a thousand things to do, and you don't have enough time to get it done. The truth of the matter, a lot of us in this room are stressed out, and we have been stressed out for a long time. Or worse, we are living in stress, but we're so used to it now, we don't even notice it anymore in our life. And so stress is weighing a lot of us down, and we don't know what to do about it. If you were here last week, we talked about this just a little bit in one of the questions that was submitted in our poll, and it was one of the top questions. How do I deal with anxiety? This is an issue that a lot of us are facing, and it seems like we're trying to figure out how to lower the stress, but nothing seems to deliver relief. If you could have anything this Christmas season, what you would want more than anything else is not a Snuggie, but actually how to have lower stress and to have your anxiety disappeared. The good news is that during Christmas, the gift that God gave to humanity was the gift of peace. And here's the big idea of this message. Peace is offered in the Christmas story. That's what we are reading about in our passage. We have this absolutely amazing account of the Christmas story. Jesus is about 40 days old, and he's being presented at the temple according to the law of Moses. God had commanded Moses that every firstborn male was to be presented to him and dedicated at the temple, and an offering was to be made with that presentation. This law was given to point to God's one and only son who is going to come and redeem humanity. And now here we are. The fulfillment of this law is taking place in this passage. Jesus is there. Jesus is God's one and only son, and he's being presented in the temple. Now, Mary and Joseph being poor offer a pair of turtle doves or or pigeons to the Lord because they couldn't afford anything else. And as Jesus is being presented in the temple, The Bible tells us that there is an elderly man there named Simeon. Now, we don't know much about Simeon, uh, but what we do have is told to us in this only passage of him. He's there in this temple during the time of Jesus's presentation. The scripture says that Simeon is a man of God. The Bible says that he is righteous before God, that he's devout and he's 
earnestly looking for the coming Savior. And now, here is a Savior. So, Mary and Joseph is here presenting Jesus, and Simeon is led by the Holy Spirit into the temple, and he comes, and he comes right up to these young parents, and he takes the baby Jesus in his arms. And I imagine in this moment, as he's holding the baby Jesus, his eyes start to mist, and a a smile comes on his face, and Simeon then begins to bless God by saying, Lord, now... You're letting your servant depart in peace, for I've seen your salvation. Simeon in this moment gives us some deeply profound insight into the concept of peace. True peace only comes when you know your salvation is rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. And this morning, I believe that God wants to offer you peace. We're going to spend some time breaking down why we do not have peace how Jesus is a source of peace and how we can practically have peace in this Christmas season. Now, so we have to do first thing is this. We have to break down and diagnose why we do not have peace. We can all agree that most people are stressed out to the max. A lot of people are wrestling with anxiety. How do we have peace and why do we not have it to begin with? Why is there so much anxiety in our life? Why is our culture stressed out? Well, WebMD defines stress as the following. Stress is the body's reaction to a harmful situation, whether they are real or perceived. When you feel threatened, a chemical reaction occurs in your body that allows you to act in a way to prevent injury. This reaction is known as fight or flight or the stress response. During the stress response, your heart rate increases, breathing quickens, muscles tighten, and blood pressure starts to rise. You've got to, you are now ready to act. It's now time to protect yourself. So obviously not all stress is bad. What this is saying is is that when fear comes in, we get stressed. And that stress raises our heart rate, our muscles get ready to work because we know we have to do something. Something has caused us to be afraid and we need to either run or fight. And so obviously not all stress is bad. If I stick my hand on a hot stove, I'm going to feel stress. Why? Because my body is in danger and I need to remove my hand. If I see my daughter get into the car with a young man on her first date, there's stress in my life. Why? Because I'm afraid for her safety. Oh, I thought you guys was, nobody, nobody's afraid. Have you seen these young men lately? You guys need to be afraid. You need to be afraid. Man, we need to change the message right now. Dating. Listen, if you have a daughter, don't let him get in the car with a guy. Be afraid. Moving on. You ate too much turkeys. What happened? That's what happened. You're just sitting there like, man, I can't think straight because my stomach hurts. My pants are tight, right? <laughs> What's causing me stress is tight pants. I can't help you there. This message is not going to help you. If that's causing you stress, this is not going to be of help. Not all stress is bad. These are normal, but obviously that's not what we're talking about this morning. The stress that a lot of us feel are not life-threatening situations. I want you to notice out of this definition that it said harmful situations, real or perceived. Real or perceived. And the truth is a lot of us are stressed not at life-threatening situations, but perceived situations in life. Life itself and the demands of life are what is stressing us out. You can go online, you can read this article for yourself, and you can start to see all the symptoms of stress. And we don't have time to get it onto all of them this morning, but what I will tell you is this, is that if you read this list, you will see that this is not good for us. 
We're not created to live in this state of stress, this state of anxiety. And what you'll see is that stress and anxiety literally affect every area of your body. It affects your emotions, it affects your physical health, it affects your mental health, and it affects your behavior. Stress and anxiety even affects your spiritual health. So here's what we need to zone in on this morning. Lots of things bring stress in life, but all stress ultimately comes from fear. All stress, all anxiety is rooted in fear. And that fear might be real or it might be perceived, but all stress or all anxiety is rooted in fear. Think about how we get stressed. We say things to ourselves like this. If I don't get the promotion, I'm going to be stuck in this dead end job. What is it? That's fear. If my kids don't straighten up, they're going to get kicked out of school. And then what? That's fear. If we don't get caught up on these bills, we're going to, we're going to go into bankruptcy. What is that? That's fear. It, what, what if my spouse leaves me? What, what are we going to do if we don't have enough money to buy Christmas presents this year? What if, what if no one likes me? What if I'm left lonely? All of these things that cause us stress, all of these mind games that we play, all of them are rooted in fear. So if God didn't create us to live in fear and stress, then why do we experience so much of this in our life? Well, like many things, you have to go back to the very beginning. You have to look back at how God created the first humans, Adam and Eve. And here's what Adam and Eve show us about ourselves: Peace left humanity when we fell into sin. Stress replaced peace. In Genesis chapter 2, you read about the creation of Adam and Eve, and they're the first people, and they're in paradise. They had never sinned. There was no sin, and they lived in peace. And then you flip over to chapter 3, and what the Bible tells us is one day they fell into sin, they disobeyed God, they dishonored God, and the very first emotion they felt was fear. Fear replaced the peace that they had. And so they, they sewed fig leaves together to try to cover their nakedness, and then when they heard God walking in the garden, they were afraid again, and they ran and they hid. Why were they afraid? Because they did not want to die. Because God said to them the consequences of sin was ultimately going to be death. So notice the progression, right? Sin separates us from God, and that separation from God leads to fear, and that fear leads us to stress. If you were here last week with our Q&A, as I said, one of the top asked questions was, how do I overcome anxiety? And we talked about how fear was probably not one of the original emotions that humans would experience. Sin brought this extra emotion into our life that we were never meant to carry. We're all like children who are distant from the presence of our parents. And when we get alone, we get afraid. As I was preparing for this message, I remember one time when I was a child, I was probably seven or eight. My sister was probably about four years old. We were out shopping in a mall and my mom was trying to get my sister to come on. I think we were in a toy store or something like that. And she was looking at toys and my mom kept telling my sister, hey, it's time to go. It's time to go. And my sister was disobeying and she wasn't listening. And so my mom was trying to teach her in that moment that she needed to listen. So she grabbed me and we just kind of stepped around the corner where my mom could still see my sister, but my sister could not see my mom. And so my sister's over there looking at the toys. And when she turns around and realizes that mom was gone and she was all alone, you could see the terror and the fear begin to fill her eyes. And she started crying, mom, where are you at? And then my mom stepped back around the corner. And in that moment, that's what a lot of us experience when sin comes into our life. 
Sin separates us from our heavenly father. And when we, if we realize it or not, when we look around at the world, the world looks like it's collapsing in around us because we don't have our protector, our father there to take care of us. Spiritually, we're orphans and we need our father to come in and bring us peace. So looking back at Simeon for a moment, Simeon is in the temple and now he's holding God and he's looking God He's looking at Jesus, who is God, in the face. And what does he say? Now I can depart in peace. Sin caused Adam and Eve to be afraid and to run from God and to fear death. Now that Jesus is on the scene, Simeon ran to Jesus, gazed at Jesus, praised Jesus, and had peace when facing what? His death. He said, now I can depart in peace. The fear that sin brought melted away for Simeon when he gazed upon Jesus. And in the Christmas account, we see this same theme play out time and time again. We can read about the shepherds in the fields and the angels show up. And here's what the angels proclaimed on the night Jesus was born. Luke chapter 2, starting verse 13, it says this. It says, and suddenly there was angels and a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. And here's what it teaches us. God's solution for fear, stress, and anxiety is always peace. If you read the gospel accounts, every time Jesus showed up on the scene and someone was afraid, what would he say to them? Peace be to you. So peace is always the antidote to stress and anxiety. Peace is always the antidote to fear. Peace is the antidote to the things that are weighing us down in life. And the good news is, as Christians, we know the source of peace. The good news in the Christmas story is that Jesus came to bring peace because Jesus is the author of peace. One of the most famous passages prophesying the birth of Jesus is Isaiah 9, 6. And here's what it says. For to us, a child is born, to us, a Savior. Savior is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. This Bible verse was written about 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And God was trying to get everybody ready for the coming of his son because Jesus was coming. And what did he want them to know? That he is the Prince of Peace. One of the primary characteristics of Jesus Christ was that he is the prince of our peace. And these words carry some very serious meaning in the original language. A prince is a ruler, it's a captain, it's a commander. Prince in the Hebrew means shalom, and shalom is a noun. So really, peace is a thing, it's a place, it's not a verb, it's not an activity. Peace is a place that you live in in life. Shalom, peace, means wellness, wholeness, security, tranquility, good conditions, safe, salvation. It really means that it comes from the grace and the mercy of God because he's removing all the distress from our life caused by sin. In other words, when Jesus is your Savior and you're walking under his command, under his authority, you have protection in life, and that leads you to a state of peace. See, we feel stressed because we feel like we have to take control of situations or it's going to do harm to us. So many of us, we look at things in life and what's stressing us is that we're facing a situation that we can't control, but we feel like we should be controlling. 
And the peace that comes from God is knowing that we don't have to control things that we can't control. We can trust God to take care of us because he is our covering. He is our authority. Jesus is your only source of peace. And the Bible confirms this to us over and over again. When Jesus died on the cross, he provided for us peace. Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus died for our salvation, for our healing and our peace. And Jesus even told us in John 14, 27, peace I leave to you, my peace I give to you. I do not give you peace as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Notice what Jesus says about peace. He says, I'm giving you something that no one else can give you, including yourself. The world can't bring you peace. The world can't take away your stress. It can't take away your anxiety and your fear. Nothing is going to work long term. The only place where stress and anxiety and fear melt away is when Jesus is the Prince of Peace in your life. And it's him who casts out all fear. So here's what we have to understand. Here's to kind of bring some 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 solidarity to this is that sin leads us to separation from God. God separation from God leads to fear and fear leads to stress. The Christmas story is what God uniting us back to the father at the cross. And now with God, he pours out his love into our hearts and that brings us peace. So the question then becomes, how do we apply this truth? We've now heard the the theology, if you will, of peace. Now, how do we practically live this out? Maybe you're here today and you are experiencing this stress. How do you take this truth that the Christmas story brings us peace and apply it to our lives? How do we take this truth from Sunday morning and apply it to our Monday morning when the kids don't want to get out of bed and we get stuck in traffic at the only traffic light in Jay, Oklahoma? Okay, a little bit. Thank you for the courtesy laugh. That really... That brought peace to my heart. Here's how you walk in peace. First is this. We follow the pattern of Simeon. And you have to ask the question, who's in control in your life? You have to answer that question. Who is in control in your life? See, Simeon teaches us something. Simeon teaches us that peace is only found when Jesus is control. Simeon's song of praise starts with what appears to be a simple proclamation, but there's a lot of power behind it when you understand what he's saying. He starts with a declaration, and the first thing he says is this, Lord, Lord. In verse number 29, he starts out by saying, Lord, now. Here's what you have to understand. Simeon knew and understood the role of authority in his life. He understood that Jesus wasn't just God and God wasn't just good. God is Lord. God is Lord. Simeon understood the superiority of God's authority in his life. And so in this moment, Simeon is elevating Jesus as Lord, and he's putting his trust in Jesus as Lord. I want you to think about just the paradox of this. You have a brand new baby, and you have an elderly man who's facing his death. But in this moment, this elderly man's staring at this baby, and he's putting his trust in this child. Why? Because he knew this was more than just a child. He knew this was God. He knew that Jesus was the only son of God. And he's putting his trust and the authority and the sovereignty of Jesus Christ as his Lord. When you elevate Jesus as Lord in your life, what you're doing is you're trusting the sovereignty 
of God to provide for you, to keep you safe, and to lead you into peace. How many of you, when you were parents, right before your child was born, or maybe right after, you went and you baby-proofed the house? You went in, you put the plastic things in the outlets, you, you covered the corners of the table so that they don't hit their head, you, you removed everything from the house, or put it up high so that the kids couldn't get into it and couldn't hurt themselves. What were you doing? That home was your sovereign territory, and you're saying, in my home, my child is going to be safe. I'm going to remove everything that's going to cause them danger in the long term. Not only am I going to remove things that are going to cause them danger, I'm going to bring things into the home that are going to bring them health in, in their life. I'm going to put, make sure there's plenty of formula. I'm going to make sure there's plenty of diapers. I'm going to make sure there's plenty of clothes. So in my sovereign territory of my home, my child is going to be protected and provided for. Now, does that mean your child's never going to get hurt in your home? Of course not. Your child's still going to fall down. They're still going to bump their head. There's still going to be times that they cry out because they're hungry. But what you're saying as a parent is that my child is going to be ultimately safe so they can grow up into the person that God created them to be, and my child is going to be taken care of. And that's exactly what the Heavenly Father is doing for you. When you come and you make him Lord of your life, what you're saying is I'm coming under your sovereignty. I'm living in your house, if you will, and you're trusting that God's going to remove everything that's going to damage damage you long term and he's going to provide for every single one of your needs now does that mean that life is easy of course not you still fall down you still bump your head and from time to time you think that you need a little bit more than what the father has provided for you but what you know is that in the long term god is going to always take care of you and that trust in your heavenly father brings you peace when we live in fear and stress, what we're saying to God is, I don't trust you to take care of my needs. When we live in fear and stress and anxiety, what you're saying is, God, your house isn't good enough for me. Because if we truly trusted God, we say, look, I know this is hard, but God, I'm trusting you now. And is that easy to live out? No, of course not. And I don't want you to pretend that I'm up here and I never feel stress either. I do, but in those moments of stress, I have to remind myself, Jesus is Lord. He's Lord in this situation. And God, I don't want to insult you by thinking that you're not going to take care of me. I'm trusting you to be my peace. You see, our fear is always based upon assumption. What if this happens? What if that happens? But our peace is rooted in his eternal true word that we know will happen. You see, our fear is always based off of what if. But when we read the scripture, we know what will happen. And so what we have to do is we have to trust what will happen more than what might happen. Second thing we have to see is this, is that peace comes when we gaze at Jesus. This passage tells us that Simeon was looking for the salvation of Israel and for his own personal salvation, and he found it holding Jesus in his arms. And he gazes at the child, and peace warms his heart. This elderly man looking in the face of this baby was inspired by the Holy Spirit to sing a song of praise. Why? Because Simeon sees Jesus in his arms. And he sees the light, but he also sees Calvary at the same time. 
he sees the cross at the same time. Because Simeon's song of praise starts with the words, Lord, now, Lord, now I can depart in peace. Now I've seen your salvation. I can have peace. Now I'm okay. Why? Because he's seen Jesus. And it wasn't until he was holding that baby that he had the peace. Why did he have peace? Because when Simeon saw Jesus, he knew Jesus was bringing salvation. He saw that baby, but he saw the cross at the same time. He saw the peace that God was providing, but he also saw the price. And the price of that peace was that this child, this baby was going to grow to become a man who was going to die on the cross for the sins of humanity. This baby was going to display the love of God and the salvation of God on the cross because he was going to die the death that we were supposed to die. He was going to pay the penalty that we were supposed to pay. And I think this this teaching is so powerful because you're only going to have peace when you gaze and you look at the cross. You see, some of you are sitting here and I was talking a minute ago that, that God's always going to provide. You're saying, but I don't see the provision. And I would counter with this by saying you have seen the provision. The provision was 2,000 years ago at the cross. Everything that you need in life was already provided for. Because at the cross, salvation was provided for. At the cross, healing for your body was provided for. At the cross, freedom from your bondage was provided for. At the cross, we see the love of God, the mercy of God, and the power of God. All of these things were displayed at the cross. Now, why a cross? Because justice demanded uh, the, the execution of a penalty towards the sin. And at the cross, the demands of justice were met. Because there was an exchange, a spiritual exchange, the life of our Lord for our salvation. And Simeon understood all of these things when he gazed at the face of the baby Jesus, and that gaze brought him peace. And the reason why a lot of us as Christians don't have peace is because our gaze is misplaced. We gaze at our problems, we gaze at our perceived problems, we gaze at our fear. You're never going to have peace with misplaced gaze. You're never going to have peace when your focus is wrong. If you want peace, then you have to start looking to the life and the person of Jesus Christ. If you want peace, then you have to gaze at the salvation that God offers. No matter how bad life is, there's always hope. And why is there always hope? Because Jesus promised that someday we're going to be with him in heaven and he's going to wipe away every tear from our eye and there's no more pain, there's no more sadness, and there's no more death. You need to gaze at the provision that God offers. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. If God provides for the animals and for the grass, then he's going to provide for you. You need to gaze at Jesus. You know, sometimes as spouses, we get in trouble. How do we get in trouble? We gaze at our phone so intently that our spouse is talking to us and we don't even hear them speaking. And then all of a sudden you snap out of it and you realize, oh, my spouse is talking. I have no idea what they said. How many of you have ever been there? Your spouse, your child, you're zoned in on your phone or you're zoned in on the TV and you don't even hear your spouse talking. That's a bad thing. But in some ways, we need to be spiritually that way in life. We're so zoned in on Jesus that no matter what the peripheral noise of life is creating, that it doesn't distract us from what we're into in that moment. And that is focusing on the life of Jesus. The third thing is peace comes when you are led by the Holy Spirit. Simeon was led by the Holy Spirit into the temple, and he listened to the Holy Spirit about the baby Jesus, and that allowed him to see the peace that God 
had placed in front of him. And ultimately, what we need to know is we have to be led by the Holy Spirit if we're going to have peace in life. Jesus told us the Holy Spirit was and is our comforter. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So the question is, are you being led by your fear? Are you being led by your emotion? Are you being led by your flesh? Or are you being led by the Holy Spirit? When we're led by the Holy Spirit, we will produce fruit of the Spirit. Now, we have to turn inwardly for a moment. The reason why a lot of us have stress in our life, if we were really honest, is because we create environments of stress in our life by being unwise in our actions, right? We gotta be honest for a minute. Some of us, if we're not honest, you know, we can think everything's on God's side when God says there are some things that you need to take care of. For example, we can get stressed about money because we spend beyond our means. Have you ever been guilty of that before? I was reading, a very, I was reading an article this week that said that on average, uh, people are going to put at least $750 on a credit card from Christmas. And that this is creating a real problem because uh, last year, more people put uh, Christmas purchases on credit cards than any other time, and they're still paying it off this Christmas. And so the cycle is they want to live at the same standard, so they're going to put more, and they think around $1,100 is what's going to be spent by every man, woman, or excuse me, by every family in America for Christmas. And so a lot of this is going on credit cards, and it's creating stress. That's against what God told us to do. So a lot of this we, we bring upon ourselves. We get stressed in our marriage because we haven't spent time investing in our marriage or our spouse lately. Amen? It's true. We get stressed in life because um, we're, be, not, we're being, excuse me, we get stressed in life because we're not being proactive to our problems. We're being reactive to our problems, and that's causing stress. We're not, we're not thinking in advance. We're letting things come uh, at us in life, and we're just reacting to everything that's coming. Being led by the Holy Spirit is not always a real, quote-unquote, spiritual experience. Sometimes being led by the Holy Spirit is a very real and practical experience. We know the fruit of the Spirit very well out of Galatians 5, to 24. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those, led, uh, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. How many of you understand that if we were just simply be led and produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit, at least a third of the things in life that cause us stress would go away? If we lived according to the wisdom that God provides for us from the book of Proverbs, another third of our stress would go away. Two-thirds of our stress would go away if we simply honored God's word and lived according to his word and allowed the Holy Spirit to live that way. The word of God gives us a lot of wisdom to the things that are stressing us out. And frankly, the reason why a lot of us are stressed is because we're not doing what the word of God says. So when we say being led by the Holy Spirit, I think it would behoove us for a moment when we feel stressed or anxious or fearful to stop and to seek the Lord. Lord, am I truly being led by the Holy Spirit to eliminate the stress on my side of things? Am I doing what the best I can to remove the things that are causing me stress? And once the Lord leads us to a place where perhaps we aren't honoring God in his word, then we need to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit and remove those things. I think it's important to understand that God won't work a miracle of peace in a situation that he's given you authority over. 
want you to think about that for a second. We talked about the sovereignty of God and how we're living under the sovereignty of God. There are certain things that God has made you responsible for. And God's not going to work a miracle in your situation that you're being irresponsible in. I know that's hard to say, and I don't want to offend anybody, but the truth is a lot of things are causing us stress. We need to live differently according to the word of God to fix. We're praying God perform a miracle, and God's like, I'm not going to perform a miracle in an area that I gave you the ability to handle. I'm not going to perform a miracle in an area that I gave you the responsibility to take care of. That's your responsibility. I gave you the means. I gave you the resources. You need to handle it. We are required to cover our areas, and God will cover his. I want to close with this if the worship team wants to come back. And as they're coming, I want to invite you to stand with me this morning. As As you're standing, I just want to invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment. I want to talk to you today. The proclamation of Jesus' birth is always revolving around peace. The angels proclaim peace to the shepherds. Simeon proclaimed peace in the temple. The Christmas story is a message of peace. Peace on earth. However, it's vital to understand the reason why the story of Christmas means that there's peace on earth is not because Jesus was born. The hope of peace is because Jesus rose again. The proclamation of his birth revolved around peace, but the proclamation of his resurrection is peace. I want to read you a passage in Luke chapter number 24. Jesus has already rose from the dead and he appeared to two guys. And here's what it says, starting in verse 33. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem when they found the eleven And those who were with them gathered together, they said, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told him what had happened on the road, and how he, speaking of Jesus, was known to them in the breaking of bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace to you. Maybe this morning, during this Christmas season, you need peace. You need peace. You're in this room this morning, and if you were to be real honest, there's been a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear in your life, and you need peace. Maybe you're going through a season or a situation in your life that you don't know how to handle. It's causing you a lot of anxiety. It's weighing on your heart, and you need peace. I want to tell you this morning, peace is here. Why? Not because Jesus was born, but because he rose again. Jesus is alive. The whole point of Christmas is that you can have peace. This morning, I just imagine there's some of you in here that you desperately need that peace. God can provide it for you. God can provide it for you. But just as Simeon had to walk in that temple to seek Jesus out, So too, we have to be obedient to seek Jesus out. Just as Simeon was humble enough to look at that baby and say, you're my Lord. So too, we have to be humble enough to come and bow down before Jesus and say, Jesus, you are my Lord. And I need you to be Lord in this situation. 
You don't have to wake up at night thinking about the to-do list. You don't have to wake up at night thinking about the things that aren't going your way. The thoughts that dominate your day don't have to have authority in your life. Jesus can be Lord. God, we just come before you this morning. Lord, I just imagine in this place there are a lot of us that are feeling some stress. We're feeling a lot of anxiety. Lord, perhaps we're even feeling fear. But God, you didn't create us to live that way. You didn't create us to live with stress and anxiety on our life. Lord, you created us to walk in freedom and peace. And Lord, I pray that your peace would reign in this place this morning. Here's what we're going to do today. Today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do the same thing Simeon did. I want to give you an opportunity to come and say, you know what, God, I need you to be Lord in my life. I need you to be Lord in my situation. I need you to come and bring peace. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I'm facing a situation that I need peace in my life. I need God's presence just to overwhelm me right now. I need him to be Lord in my situation. I'm facing something that I don't know how to handle. Well, I've just been feeling a lot of stress lately, and I want to give God the opportunity to be Lord. I want to invite you to come right now. Let's begin to fill up these altars, and let's begin to seek God and say, God, be Lord in my life. Be Lord in my life. Will you come? Will you come this morning? Will you come and say, God, I need you to be sovereign in my life and in my situation. God, I need you to bring peace. I need you to bring peace to my life. God, we thank you. Lord, as people are coming and they're surrendering themselves to you, God, we thank you, Jesus, that you can bring peace in our situation. God, you can bring hope and you can bring wholeness, God. God, you're good. You're good to us. And Lord, when we get to our low points, we can come to you and we can bow down to you. And Lord, you bring peace on our life. You bring the peace. Is there anyone else this morning saying, you know what, I need some peace in my life. I need some peace in this situation. I think all of us get to a place from time to time where we feel like the weight and the cares of life have weighed us down. Is there anyone else? Sometimes we have to get humble before God and we got to walk down the aisle and we have to say, God, I need you. All of us have been there from time to time. God, we need peace. We need peace. There's lots of people in these altars this morning and I need some help praying. People don't need to walk through life alone. They need to feel the hand of their brother or sister on their back. And so I want to invite you this morning. Can I have some help praying for our brothers and our sisters this morning? Will you come down, perhaps just lay a hand on someone's back? You're like, I don't know what to pray. Just start saying, God, be, be the Lord in their situation. Be the Lord in their situation. Knowing that you're there with them can help bring some peace. Knowing that they don't have to walk through life alone. Will you come this morning? Let's surround our brothers and sisters. and Let's just begin to worship and let's begin to trust God to be our peace in whatever situation we're facing.